Mom, there are four things I want to be when I grow up. She said, yeah, what is that? She said, I'm going to be a doctor, an astronaut, an Olympic swimmer, and an artist. And the mom said, well, that's pretty impressive, but what about being a mom? She said, I don't know. I think that might be too hard for me. <laughs> so moms have the toughest job, right? Um, I think we agree with that. But the, the most important things are usually the hardest. And moms are super important. Who else could teach us things like, for example, religion? You better pray the stain comes out of that carpet. <laughs> or looking to the future. You better put on clean underwear. You never know what's going to happen. Or persistence. You're going to sit there until you finish eating all that spinach. Or manners. Stop being like your father. So I'm pretty sure my mom said basically all of those things to me at some point in my life. Except for me, it wasn't spinach. It was black-eyed peas. And I don't know what you guys think about those, but I do not think they're very good. No, they're not very good at all. Uh, but I had to sit there until I finished all of them. So in all seriousness, being a mom is hard. But, but because the most important things are often difficult, God gives us things to people he knows that can handle them. But not because of who you are, but because he's equipped you to do it, right? So... We can handle those things because God is with us and he equip, equips us to do those things. I'm sure everyone has had this experience, okay? Hey, mom. Hey, dad. Hey, somebody. Look at me. Watch me, right? This is a favorite thing of toddlers. Watch me do this. Look what I can do. Hey, I can do this. Did you see me do this? Right? Toddlers love that. That's because from the time they're born, they want people to see them, Right? We were born wanting to be noticed, wanting to be seen, wanting to be loved. So, so today, on Mother's Day, I want moms and mom figures to know, right, you're not just somebody's mom, right? You too are seen, and you too are loved, and you too are known, right? So I hope today is an encouragement, um, not just to moms, everybody I think needs this encouragement, but we are all seen. So let's get right to it. So our, our primary text comes from Genesis 16. For those of you who know the Old Testament might be thinking, oh, this must be about Sarah. Except, well, Sarah is in Genesis 16, but there's another mom in Genesis 16. So let's, let's start reading from, we're going to read verses 1 through 15. And, and the bullet here is God sees you. God sees you. All right, starting in verse 1. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan ten years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave to Sarai, where have you come from? And where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she answered. 
Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that dates will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild, a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Beer Lehe Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. All right. In this story, we meet a mother, Hagar. Right? So interestingly, this very important person in the Bible, she's a foreigner. Right? She's, not, she's not an Israelite. She's not rich. She's not powerful. She's not an influencer in today's terms. She was just another servant girl, a nobody. And, and the, the world around her saw her as a nobody, but the God of the universe never sees anybody as a nobody. It seems that Hagar doesn't really know what she wants, but she knows what she doesn't want. She doesn't want it to be treated like a nobody. She doesn't realize what her greatest need is until she meets the God who satisfies that greatest need. So Hagar runs away, but Obviously, you can't run away from God. He always knows where you are. Whatever wilderness you're running around in, God finds you there. Remember, Jesus searches for the lost. He told three parables about lost things. The angel of the Lord meets Hagar in the desert at the spring. This is a corollary with when Jesus meets the woman at the well in Samaria. When we're in the wilderness, we probably want God to fix everything. But that's usually not how God works. He generally doesn't fix things the way we want him to or, or how we want him to or especially not when we want him to. Hagar doesn't appear to get the answer that she was looking for. But because she encountered the true God, she had a little bit of a change of heart. And she did follow his instructions. And then she does something that no one else in history had ever done. She named God. Verse 13, Elroy, you are the God who sees me. Nobody else had ever done that. Up to this point, God himself gave himself names. He introduced the people of Israel his names. He gave himself names like Elohim and Yahweh and El Shaddai. But it was always God introducing himself that way. Nobody had ever said, you are God of, you know, blank. Um, and these, are, these names that God had introduced himself as, these are beautiful, majestic names. But Hagar needed more than, than a, a faraway God, no matter how beautiful that he was. She needed a personal, intimate, relational God. And that's who she found in the wilderness. When she met the God of the Bible, she declared, I have met the one who sees me. The idea of being seen has always been a powerful concept, right? This is thousands of years ago. Our toddlers today prove to us that it's still true, right? I want to be seen. This has become a, 
a fairly important cultural phrase today, right? I, I see you. This is something that's, that has always been deep in our hearts, like the need to be seen. And this isn't just a glimpse, right? This is, this is a, I know your heart. I feel you. I, I have compassion to you, right? This is more than just seeing with our eyes. And it goes, it goes beyond the facades and people, we're looking for something that makes a real connection. So let's read a few verses here. So Psalm 139.16. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Right? We're talking about the God who knew you before there was even time. First Samuel 16.7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Right? God, God sees you and he looks deep into your soul and he knows your heart. He knows you better than you know you, which is sometimes a little disconcerting that, that God knows us better than we do. Psalm 33, 13 through 15. From heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. And from Psalm 32, verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. So not only does he see us and connect to us and see deep into our soul, but then he wants to guide us and help us and lead us. Right? He sees, he watches, but he also considers, he understands, he loves the story of Hagar is full of God's goodness, and we can certainly learn from the way God worked in Hagar's life. Again, to the world, she was a nobody, but to the God of the universe, she's a creation, a masterpiece. God saw her in distress, and he showed up. He provided. He, he became the God who saw her. God, uh, Hagar gave us the term, the God who sees Hagar's story reminds us that no matter who we are or where we are, God sees us. He cares, he comforts, and he provides. So bullet two, let's step away from the story for a minute and have some time for reflection. So bullet two, what name would you give God? So Hagar becomes the first person in all of history to actually name God. And the name that she gives him is based on her deepest need at the time. Have you ever thought about giving God a name? Have you ever thought about something that he's done? Maybe he's done for something for you recently. And you can look back and think, man, he is the God of whatever he did. Or maybe, probably, right? You have a, a deep, sincere need now, like Hagar did. And you, you need the God of something to fill that place in your soul. I've included a few possibilities in your notes just to get us thinking. This is certainly not a complete list, right? But the God who loves, the God who comforts, the God who guides, the God who forgives, the God who teaches, the God who gives mercy, the God who gives grace, the God who is faithful, the God who is just, the God who is good. The God who mends broken pieces, right? The God who is the potter, the God who molds, 
the God who heals, the God who brings freedom, the God who protects, the God who pursues, the God who fights for you, Abba Father, Jehovah Rafi, right, the God who heals, Jehovah Shalom, God who's our peace, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. And this last one I included because it's really powerful and we're not sure that we all maybe get its full meaning, but Jehovah Nisi, it technically translates to God is our banner, but that's a little bit weird. So this comes from Exodus 17. It's the only place in the Bible that Jehovah Nisi shows up. So the background here is the Israelites were wandering in the desert and they were attacked by the Amalekites. And so this great battle commenced and Moses goes up onto a hill so that he could see what's happening. And every time Moses raises hands with the rod, the Israelites are winning. But you've held your arms up a little bit. It only takes a few seconds and they get tired, right? So when he puts his arms down, the Amalekites are winning. And this goes on. And, and his arms are just exhausted. So Aaron and Hur come and help him hold his arms up. The result of which the Israelites eventually win the battle. So the, the battle was won, obviously, not because of great military strategy or overwhelming forces. The battle was won because of God. Right, so this is where... The idea of Moses holding up his rod is similar to in this day when forces went to battle, somebody would come with the banner of the kingdom that they served or the king, and they were said to be fighting under that banner. And so Moses holding up his hand is similar to that, and it shows us that we can only be victorious when we realize that the battle is God's, right? The battle's not ours. Um, we sometimes struggle trying to win the battle. But the battle is God's. When we release the battle to God, he fights for us, and he's capable of winning. We're on our own power aren't. So this is, right, the God is our banner sounds a little weird, but understanding the story, it's, it's a, an awesome way to know God. At some point in our lives, all of us are going to need to remember that God is our banner, our banner and the battle is his. So what name would you give God today? How have you experienced him recently? And or, how do you need to experience them right now? Hagar needed to be seen. We, we all need to be seen, but you might have something else, that this deep need. So I'd invite you to just pray about that as we, as we close up the sermon. So let's get back to the story. Not only does God see you, but God opens your eyes so that you may truly see. Right? So God sees you, and he opens your eyes so that you too may truly see. Okay, so after Hagar's interaction with Elroy, she was encouraged. She went back to Abram and Sarai, and we fast forward a little bit, and we pick up the story in Genesis 21. All right, so starting at verse 8. <clears throat> the child grew and was weaned, and on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had born to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you. Because... 
It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also, because he is your offspring. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down, about a bowshot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. God heard the crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. So at this point in the story, Hagar is struggling again. She's wandering the desert. She's terrified that her son is going to die out there lonely in the desert. She at least momentarily forgot about Elroy, the God who sees me. But that doesn't change God, right? We forget about the things God has done. We forget about the things God is doing. But that's us changing. It's not God changing. God doesn't stop pursuing us. God doesn't stop working, right? We just don't see him or we forget about the things that he does. So actually, right, we've been telling the news group kids, write it down. Write it down. You're going to forget, right? Uh, we need to remember all the ways that, that God has worked in our lives. So, right, God is still Elroy. He still sees her. He still knows her. And he sees her in the desert. Right? You've all, all of us, me too, we've lost focus, forgot about what God has done. Um, and right, it definitely changes our perspective on God. It changes our, how we're walking. Right? It changes the circumstances under which we're living when we forget about the things that God has done. But hopefully, when you fast forward, you can look back. And see the things that God has done. Right? That's a powerful thing to do. To look back and see all the ways that God has worked in your life. Right? The way he has protected. The way that he has healed. The way that he has taught you. The way that he has led you. So I encourage you to, to do that. Right? To look back and look for the ways that God has worked. Not only does God see Hagar, but notice that he calls her by name. Hagar. Right? He calls you by name too. And then in verse 19... God opened her eyes. God opened her eyes. He wants to open all of our eyes, right? He is the God of light. He wants to open our eyes so that we can truly see in this dark world that we live in. It's really the only way. The only way to truly see is to allow God to open our eyes. You might recall what happened the night that Jesus was arrested. So, Jesus had told Peter that he was going to deny him three times. And Peter, you know, in his typical self, was like, no way, no way. There's no way that's going to happen, Lord. I love you. I would never deny you. And Jesus said, yeah, you're going to deny me three times. And, of course, that's what happens. Um, Peter definitely denied knowing Jesus three times to three different strangers. So let's pick up the story on the third denial. So this is Luke 22, starting in verse 60. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. 
the guy had said, hey, you're, you're one of those followers of Jesus. I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. So remember, we're talking about the God who sees us. In this case, Jesus literally looked directly into the eyes of Peter. What do you think Peter thought right at that moment? So we know that he was distressed because he had disowned his Lord, his friend. But do you think that Jesus was saying to Peter in that look, man, Peter, I can't believe you did that. We're done. We're finished. I just can't have anything to do with you anymore. No, of course not, right? That's not what that look meant, right? Jesus looked Peter directly in the eye, and that was not what that look meant. It was more like, it's okay, Peter. In your humanness, I know that you're going to have these struggles, but, but it's okay. I know that you love me. We're still good, right? We're still friends. I still call you my friend. I know that you love me, and I love you more than you can ever know. That's what he told Peter with that look. So the question for us then is, have you fixed your eyes on that Jesus, the one who will look you in the eye, the one who sees you all the time, but the one who wants to look you in the eye and say, I love you. I got you. We're friends, right? In your humanness, I know you're going to struggle, but I want to walk through that struggle with you, right? I want to be the God who sees you. I am the God who sees you, but I want you to know me as the God who sees you. And not only that, but I want to be the, I want you to know me as the God who will help you in whatever that need is. So if you've thought about what you would call God, what, how would you would name him? So as we pray, I want you to think about that, right? What would you call God today? Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, you are the God who sees us. And we're so thankful for that. But you're the God of so many other things. And no matter where we are, and all of us in our struggles today you are the god of that thing you created us you know us you know us intimately you pursue us you watch over us you want to lead us and guide us you see us because you care and your love for us is beyond imagination right that look when you looked into peter's eyes right and even in his hurt and brokenness He saw that great love. May our eyes be open to truly see you. I pray that we would be willing to come to you with our deepest need. Lord, we give that thing to you. You are the God of that thing. Nothing is too big. Nothing is too scary. Nothing is too important. And nothing is too little or too unimportant. You and you only are the sovereign God. Lord, as we leave this place, help us to stay focused on the author and perfecter of our faith. It's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen.